Hey, um, good Chodesh. Um, today's daf is Le'ilu Nishmas Ruvain ben Leib Idol, Baruch ben Eliyahu Shmuel, and Avram ben Peretz. May the memory be a blessing. Today's daf is daf Kuf Ches, 108, and we're four lines from the top. So remember, the Mishnah was discussing um, trapping and injuring animals, and we mentioned that if you Choivel a bird, if you injure a bird, you're chayev for, for uh, if you bruise a bird, you're chayev for bruising. Which remember that tells us that, remember the only animals that you chayev for bruising is an animal that has a skin, that has a heart. If it's something like a sheret, which does, or a, which does not have a heart, you would not be liable for bruising. So with that in mind, Omar of you can write a tefillin and mistoma that would extend to a mezuzah and a sefer Torah as well on the skin of a kosher bird. So Amar of Yosef, Rav Yosef says, what's he coming to teach us? That's very obvious. The Isle or that birds have heart. Says Tanina, we learned this in a Mishnah. If you bruise a bird on Shabbos, you'd be liable for bruising. So that's pretty obvious. No, Omar Abaya Tuva Kamash Malan Abaya says he's coming to teach us a huge chidush. If we just had our Mishnah, I would have thought if it gets all holes in, since it has all holes in the heart, remember because all the feathers go through the skin of the bird, I would have thought that you can't use it for the Sefer Torah. Kamash Malana comes to teach us, because the Omri B'marov, as they teach in Eretz Yisrael, B'chol Nekev, Shihadayo, Averes, Olof, Eino Nekev, any hole that the dye passes over is not considered a nekev. There's an injury. We know that when you're writing a Sefer Torah, all the letters have to be whole. So if there's a hole in the parchment, they have to be complete. So if there's a hole in the parchment that the letters got a hole in, then it's not kosher. So maybe you should discard any parchment that has any size hole. So here we have a big teaching that no, if the parchment has a such a small hole that the ink just goes over it, it fills it up and gets blocked, it doesn't drip through, it doesn't leave a hole, then it would be kosher. And with this iman, that's, you can use birds hard, I don't know what the correct word is, bird skin, bird hard, for, to write your tefillin mezuzahs or sefer Torah on. Maysive, they challenge this idea that we say that birds have proper skin. Says Maysive, challenge this, says Biknofov, you, when you're doing the oilas ha'oif, you offer it with its with its feathers, and that includes the hashiras or to tell us that you offer the hide as well. Now, the novelty of that is the oil of an animal. You have to flay the animal. You have to skin the animal first. Remember, an oil is where you completely burn the whole animal on the altar on the mizbeach. So you have to take off the heart of the animal before you put it on. But the pasuk tells us that. A bird, you put it, when you're burning the bird, you put it on with its feathers and its skins. Now, if you thought that it was, if you're telling me that birds have proper heart, well then how can you put it on the Mizbech? You're not allowed to put the heart on the Mizbech. So, no, orhu, you're right, it is hard. And the Torah comes with a special drosha to tell us to include the the skin of the bird on the Mizbech. Ikad to Omri, some have the other way around. Omri Bizar, Af Ananami Tanina, Biknofov. We learnt in a Mishnah that you can offer the bird oiler, that you must offer the bird oiler on the Mizbech. I basically split it open and put it on the Mizbech with its hide as well. The Rabbi says, or Now, that special posuk, the word Biknofov, is coming to include the heart, the skin of the bird. Now, the Rabbi, if you treat the bird's skin as actual hard, oh, now we know why the posuk comes to include it. Because we would have thought that since it's hard, like an animal oiler, you're not allowed to offer it on the, you're not allowed to put the skin on the Mizbech. So that's why we need the pasuk. Elo iomar lav orhu If it wasn't considered skin, birds. If bird skin wasn't considered hard, then why would you need a pasuk to tell me you can put it on the mizbech? There's no reason to say that you don't put it on the mizbech. So Amar Abaya, no Abaya says not. It's not a hundred percent. lav orhu and we still need it. Amar have thought that. 
it's not considered R. But since it has many holes, it's a bit uh, repulsive for the Mizbah. Kamash Manana comes to teach us that even though it has these holes, you still put it on the Mizbah. Okay, so it's a bit, it's not 100% clear from this Brysa whether or not um, bird's heart is considered hard. From our Mishnah, it seems quite clear that it is considered hard. Because our Mishnah says if you injure, if you bruise a bird, you're liable on Shabbos for bruising. And remember we learned again as I started off this year, we learned yesterday that only animals which have a heart are you liable for bruising. Because when you can see the blood, it means it's collected under the skin. It's separated from the flesh of the animal, from the what, arteries and capillaries, and it's gathered under the skin. If it does not have heart, well then it's just either it bursts through the membrane, through the skin, or it is reabsorbed quickly. So you would not be liable for bruising that sort of animal. Birds, you are liable for bruising, so their hide is a hide, and you could use it for twilling animals. What's the halacha? Can you write twilin on the skin of a fish? Can you use fish skin as parchment? We just learned you can use bird. So can you use a kosher fish? Next time you have salmon, can you keep the skin to write a pair of uh, tefillin on? I mean, obviously you'd have to process the skin going through the tanning. You'd have to process it correctly, but that's the question. So Omar lay, he said to him, If Eliyahu comes, he will tell us what we can do. Now Rashi points out that the Gomorrah is very bothered. What does he mean if Eliyahu comes and tells us? Because remember... I'll discuss this a bit more later, further down. But remember, you're not allowed to rely on Eliyahu Anovi. You're not allowed to rely on Navua for uh, Halacha. Rashi says, The Torah is not in heaven. So it doesn't matter if Eliyahu comes along and tells us that this is what they say in heaven. This is the Halacha. It doesn't help us. Remember, we saw a few days ago, we were asking um, what's about the letters, the final, me- uh, the final letters and the... The, re- the, the, mem, the regular mem and the mem sofit. And we asked about all the letters. And we said, no, the prophets told us to make uh, the open letters. Said, it can't be that the prophets are telling us to make the open letters. They're not allowed to make any novel point in the Torah. Yes, Basil? No, we said take all the time. We said, right? Oh. Okay, so yeah, let's let's discuss it. But but that's on the surface. That's the, the Gomorrah says he came along and he said, if Eliyahu comes along and tells us. Now, it can't be that he comes and tells us the halacha, because Eliyahu Anovi is a prophet, and we can't rely on that for the halacha. So he says, My imyovo Eliyahu's veyoymash. One second. So what is Eliyahu Anovi coming to tell us? So, Ileima, maybe he's coming to clarify, either Islay or either Laislay, or whether skins, fish have skin or not, whether fish have hard, or we don't need Eliyahu to tell us that it's skin. We can see that fish have skin. V'od and further, that none we learned in the Mishnah, Atzomos hadag, v'oyrem atzilin The bones of a fish and the skin of a fish protect an ohalamais. Fish and their bones, and their fish bones and skins are not subject to tumor. And if therefore, if you have something in, something that is not subject to tumor, would not let tumor pass through it. I mean, like ohel hamais. Remember, if there's a mace in a room and you've got a bag made out of fish skin, or you've got fish skin covering something, since the tumor can't make the oil, a mace can't make the fish skin, tome, it won't go through the fish skin into what's in it. So that's what he's, it's protecting. But what we see very clearly, it says, We see fish to have skin. So we don't need Eliyahu Anobi to tell us that. Eloim Yofo Eliyahu Yoimer. We need Eliyahu Anovi to come and tell us whether the Zohuma on the fishkin has stopped or not. On the Zohuma generally means like a bad smell. So some learn, we want, no one's really gone through the testing and it's hard to tell. So then what we want Eliyahu Anovi to come and tell us, I think this is the Rambam amongst others, whether after the tanning process and you've prepared the heart, will it still have a bad smell? That's e paskezuma or not. I mean, many challenge that. He says, what do you mean? We don't need Eliyahu Anovi to tell us that. Just do make some skin into parchment and see if it has a bad smell or not. So the Chirush Aran brings an amazing idea. He says, at the time that Chava, 
that that the snake got covered. You know, that bought, that snake had relations, but that the snake made chaver eat from the tree. Zuhama, some evil spirit, some uh, uh, some uh, zuhama, something bad entered into the whole all creatures of creation. And at the time of Matan Torah, the zuhuma left Bnei Yisrael, and we assume that it left all animals as well. But fish couldn't make it to Har Sinai. It's in the middle of the desert. How's the fish going to get there? So, did the, so was it the Matan Torah that removed the Zuhama from all the creatures in the world? Or was it only the creatures that could make it to the creations that could make it to Matan Torah? So that's what we want to know from Eliyahu Anovi. Do fish have the Zuhama or not? This evil thing on them that makes us not able to... Uh, um, not able to... Uh, Uh, make us not 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 able to use their their parchment for Sifrei Torah, their heart for Sifrei Torah. I mean, just another aspect. I mean, it needs a lot more uh, <laughs> investigation. But others bring that uh, yeah, maybe it's to do with shchita. Theoretically, animals have a tikkun. They have this halach of shchita said about them at Matan Torah. And therefore, animals have a way of fixing their zuhama. Or, by the mitzvah that's placed on them, all animal zuhama left. But fish don't have the mitzvah of shchita. How do you prepare fish? How do you make kosher fish kosher to eat? You wait for it to die. You put it out the water and wait for it to die. So there's no, so they still have their zuhama. Okay, that's two interesting approaches to zuhama. Now, it's a very big discussion, this thing that you, we do we rely on Eliyahu Anovi. What Basil was asking is, we know we, we often have a Gomorrah, it leaves it unresolved. What's the phrase that, um, what's the phrase it uses for unresolved? We don't know the halach, we don't know the answer. What's the phrase teku? Basil, what does teku stand for? Yeah. Tishbi, Eliyahu Anovi, Yetarets, Kushi, or will come and answer all our difficulties. So how can we rely on that? Furthermore, we find a few places in Shas where they discussed with Eliyahu Novi and they ask Eliyahu Novi certain questions. So it's a big discussion exactly on when can we rely on a Novi, when can we rely on a, on a Eliyahu Novi, and other things. So interestingly enough, um, so one approach... The Rambam seems to basically Paskin, you can we say Loba Shomayimi, the Torah is not in Shomayim, and you can actually never really rely on a Elianovi, you can never rely on a prophet. We have to use the ways that Hashem gave us to deal with the doubts, to resolve our doubts or to work it out through a as a scholar. Oh, when we do find that we rely on Elianovi, that's not because Elianovi is speaking to us as a prophet or someone who's been living in Shomayim for the last few thousand years. As we know, Eliyahu Anovi went up to heaven alive. Um, what that's coming to refer to is uh, that's uh, when we re- when we do find we rely on Eliyahu Anovi. That's what he tells us based on the way he learned the sugya. If Eliyahu Anovi would come to our shir and tell us, well, when I was learning the Gemara, this is how I understood it, and this is therefore I think the psak. Ah, oh, well, then we can rely on that because that's relying on a Talmud Chacham, not on a prophet. Others learn that you're right. We're not, generally, we're not allowed to rely on a prophet or a nevuah or a dream at all. Except where it's unresolved. Except where there's no other way for us to resolve it. Where we have no solution. I, if, we absu- um, if we have absolutely no idea how to answer the question, we've done all our, we've exhausted our mental capabilities in working through the sugyas and the sources and the things and we can't work it out, then you can rely on a novi. Some learn like that. There's a very interesting sefer called Chuvos Minashomayim, Responsive from Heaven. And basically it was one of the Baletosas. We're not talking about a mystic or a, or a contemporary magician, I don't know what you'd call him, sorcerer. But it's a person who, one of the Baletosas, huge Tabut Chacham, he used to, when they had a question, he used to, that they weren't sure of the answer, he used to uh, go to sleep with the question under his pillow, and he would see a potsuk in his dream, and he would use that potsuk to answer his question. So like just uh, one of his questions that I remember, I don't remember other of his questions, but he has a, it's a whole safer, uh, I mean a safer, but a small safer of all these responses, and how he understood the answer um, from his dream. 
So the question again, how can you rely on a dream? Even if a, a bus call comes out and says, this is the halacha, we don't listen to it. We know the famous Machloikes, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua, where Rabbi Eliezer said that Avon is Tahor, and Rabbi Yeshua and all the sages says it's Tomei, and Rabbi Eliezer says that the, the tree will jump backwards, the river will jump, the river will flow backwards, the walls of the base medrash will cave, and Rabbi Yeshua says, oh, all that's nonsense, and a bus call came out and said, the halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Yeshua says, it doesn't matter if Hashem tells us the halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer, that's not how we determine halacha. So, so there, some. So again, so how could he do that? How could he rely on that for his safer? Um, okay, again, uh, falls into a similar discussion as this. But um, there's, yeah, I think let's go on. Um, but yeah, in its own right, there's a lot more to discuss and a lot of interesting points on that and how halacha in nevuah. I mean, it would come out then that nevuah is not to teach us halacha. Nevuah is either to clarify on a very basic level, and more for rebuke and guidance than to teach us halacha. That's something to keep in mind and be aware of when, we re- when we're reading the Nevi'im. We do learn out many halachas from the Nevi'im, but again, that's all clarification. It's never new halachas, or it's gzairas derabonon, but it's not, uh, it's not adding to the mitzvahs of the Torah. That's an Isidor Isa. Okay. Shmuel the Karna have a Yosvi Akudinarmalka. Shmuel and Karna were sitting on the banks of Narmalka, the Euphrates. Khazino Lamaya the Kotolavakuri. They saw the water getting very wavy um, and very dirty. So there's a great man coming from Eretz Yisrael, and he has a sore stomach, and therefore the water is rising to meet him. Um, go test, see if he's a Talmud Chochum worthy of me helping him. Now, so what's going on? Yerashi explains that. Shmuel saw the water was dirty, and therefore he realized that this Talmud Chochum was in distress. And he realized that the waves were going up. Either um, we're going to see his stomach was very sore, so he'd need the bathroom often. So either the waves were rising up, so that when he went to the bathroom over the side of the ship, the waves would cover him and he would have privacy. That's uh, the one way Rashi learns. Tos will say, no, it's much more straightforward. Um, it's more, uh, he brings from the Rach, that he heard a rumor that this great person was coming. And he knew that he would drink from this river. Because you're traveling on a boat, where'd you get your water from? From the river. And Shmuel, as a doctor, understood that this river was uh, bad at the moment; it was unhealthy to drink from. And the rav would be, and the sage coming from Eretz Yisrael would be sick from drinking it. That's how. So Tosos is based on the rach; it's a much more uh, logical uh, approach. And he sent Karna to go determine whether he's a Talmud Chacham. Other one shot is: Is he a Talmud Chacham, or is he just someone who's full of good deeds? So Karna went, he went and he found Rav. So he asked the one question, he asked him, how do you know that you're not allowed to, that you only write the parchment for the tefillin on um, the heart of a kosher animal? So It says in order that this Torah will be on your mouth, you write these tefillin so that the Torah will be on your mouth, like what is on your mouth to learn that it has to be something that's mutar for your mouth. How do we know that nida blood that makes a woman tome is only if it's red blood? Moab saw that the water was red like blood. So we see when you say blood, we mean red like blood. Um, how do you know that mila is done in that um, on the organ? It says here by bris mila on his orlaso, and it says by the first of the fruit orlaso. We know that a fruit when you plant a fruit tree, all its fruit for the first three years is forbidden. It's orlaso, so that's all it says. Mala halant dovash oise pri, just as there we're referring to a fruit, a tree that produces fruit. Afkan dovash oise pri. So to hear when it speaks about Miss Miller on his orlaso, it must be on what produces the fruit. Ah, oh, aim maybe it means his heart. 
and he will um, on the orla of his heart. Or maybe it refers to the ear. as is written, the foreskin, the orla of their ears. So why can't it be these two options? I was thinking the heart. I mean, his logic was something that makes. Oh, because they referred to yeah, they referred to as Orla. She says, no, Danin Orla so Tamami Orla so rather learn Orla Somi Orla so I his Orla from its Orla from fruits Orla the ain't Danin Orla so Tama me Orlas Shaina Tama from Orlas. But it says it says Orla Orlas Levachem or Orla Oznach Oznom. But it doesn't say or but it, by these by Mila and the fruit it says or law. So it's but what's your name? He realized these questions were not the best questions and they were like a little bit uh, pressurizing. So Maishmecho Karna. My name's Karna. So Amalaya you deserve to get Karna in your eyes. Some say it's a cataract or something, a pimple in your eyes, something that bothers you in your eyes. What's the reason? Because remember Rav wasn't feeling well. We just learned that they knew that Rav was coming from Shmuel told him Rav's coming from Eretz Israel and he doesn't feel well. So Rav needs to go to the bathroom, he needs to get to the doctor, and he is kind of busy asking him these silly questions, testing him. So that's why Rav cursed him. The sof Alele Shmuel Lebeise. So Shmuel brought him to his house. Now, as we know, Shmuel was a doctor, so Shmuel tried to help him. He says, He fed him barley bread and fried fish and gave him beer to drink. And he didn't show him where the base medrash was so that his stomach gets uh, gets working good. Uh, he wanted this food to sit in Rav for a little bit of time. He was a doctor and he knew that's what Rav needed to heal himself. But Rav uh, felt he needed the bathroom and he felt that Shmuel was um, what's it, harassing him, not letting him go to the bathroom. And he didn't know that Shmuel was a doctor and Shmuel was doing it to help to help him. So lied Rav Omar, Manta Mitzara and Lolukma the one who's um, paining me, causing me trouble, should not have any sons. And it was true. We only ever read about Shmuel's daughters. We never read about Shmuel's sons. Ketnai, um, but what we mentioned above, the source is actually uh, How do we know that Mila is on that place? It says by um, it says in both places just as there it's by what produces fruit. So to hear that's Rabbi Yoshe's opinion. Rabbi Nosson, Omer Rabbi Nosson gives a different source. He says, "I'm not sorry, we don't know that." Harei Omer, it says. The oral of a male who has not had mila. Why does it have to say of a male? Must be because it's orla is on the place that shows us that he's a male. Okay, back to the discussion of writing on, te- on tefillin. Remember, we started here saying that you can write tefillin on bird skin, kosher bird skin. We mentioned that you. We're not sure whether you can write it on fish skin. You can write tefillin on the hide of a kosher animal and a kosher chaya. Kosher domestic animal and a kosher chaya. And also on their nevela and trefa. And you have to, when you tie the parchment, remember you write the tefillin on parchment and then you tie it into small little, um, you wrap it up and tie it and put it in the, par- in, in the compartments in the tefillin. And also you stitch the tefillin closed with gidin. So that also has to be used with kosher animals. These last two halachas are halacha moshe misinai. You're not allowed to write tefillin on a non-kosher animal, on a non-kosher, whether it's domestic or wild, and nor on a, and definitely not on an avail or trefer, and you're also not allowed to use their gidin and hair to tie up the tefillin and the parchment. 
And this is one of the questions that a certain Baitusi asked Rabbi Yoshua. Um, who are the Baitusim? So we know the famous mission in Avos which says, that you must serve Hashem, um, you must serve Hashem out of love and not to receive reward. So his students, Baitus and Sodok, misunderstood him and interpreted to mean that there is no reward. And they said, what do you mean there's no Olam Haba? We know that there's reward. So they said, whatever the rabbis say, all their droshes are nonsense. And the Tzidoikim and the Baitusim, that's where their students and their students' students set up these sects that actually didn't really believe in the Torah Shabbatay, basically only in the Torah Shabbat. That's the famous Tzidukim you hear of in the Baitusim. So he says, what did he ask him? He says, How do you know you're not allowed to write tefillin on non-kosh animals? As it's written, So that the Torah of Hashem should be in your mouth. Something that's mutar on your mouth. Oh, but then, if it has to be something kosher, then you shouldn't be allowed to write your tf- on, on hard, on, on parchment made from... Um, Nevelas or trifles. We're not allowed to eat an animal that didn't die with shkita. So amalei em shalof amoshul amato lamadover doime. I'm going to give you something that it's similar to. Says lishnei bnei adam shnis chayvu hariga lemalchus. Two people sentenced to death by the king. Echor hargo melach veechor hargo aspaklitor. If one the king kills and one the executioner kills, ezumahem meshubach. Which one's more praiseworthy? Hareomer zeshorag melach. So he says that would obviously be the one the king killed. So, so to an animal that dies is one that Hashem killed. So that's in a way better. It's more fit for Tfilin and Mezuzas. Oh, well, if they better, then you should be allowed to eat it. So, Granted, from logic, it might make sense to eat and that a Nevela and Trefa should be kosher because it's Hashem who killed them, which is obviously, that's the most pious uh, executioner compared to a uh, Shochet. So he says, but the Torah says, you're not allowed to eat Nevela, but Atom, you want to come and go against the Torah? It says, okay, what you said, Rabbi Yeshua, is very good. Okay, new Mishnah. Now, once we discuss trapping, one of the parts to prepare the heart, you do Ivud, tanning. One of the processes of tanning was soaking it in a very strong solution of salt water. So therefore, salting things, pickling things, falls under the category of um, Ivud, tanning. And that's, uh, that's what we're going to discuss now. Um, it's a little bit hard to determine exactly what's Osidorais and Rabbonin, so I'm not going to focus on that, but let's go through. It says, You're not allowed to make bran on Shabbos, but you can make salt water, the table behempito, and you can dip your bread in it. Now, the Gemara is going to ask, what's the difference between bran, which is salt water, and salt water? It says, And obviously you can put the salt water in your food. But it's considered bran whether you make a lot or a little. Sorry, what's the main melach that's You first put oil into the salt. Into or in, into the salt or into the water. I what happens? What he's saying here is generally you just mix the salt and water and get a very strong salt water mixture. And sometimes you'd add a bit of oil. But to be allowed to do it on Shabbos, you have to either mix the salt with oil, or mix the water with oil first and then add the salt. Rashi explains the reason is because the that prevents the salt from getting dissolved so well, so it doesn't make such a strong solution of salt water. And therefore, it's clearly you would never use that for plick, pickling something because you want this, a strong solution to pickle something. It says, Michael, Omar, what's it saying that you can make? What's the difference between bran and salt water? Omar is asking, what's the difference between bran and salt water? So, Omar, you Omar, Shmuel, Hachik, Omar, Ein oisin mei melech merubim, avol oisin mei melech muatim. You're not allowed to make a lot of salt water, but you're allowed to make a little bit of salt water. Because a lot would most is mostly used for pickling and stuff, and it looks like you're doing it to store for a malacha, but if you make a little bit for what you need for 
that meal, that would be fine. Then the Mishnah Rabbi Yossi said, but it's heal me, it's still salt water, whether you make a lot or a little bit. Rabbi Yossi just says, but it's salt water, when you, it's heal me, whether you make a lot or a little bit. He doesn't say whether it's therefore it's also, or therefore it's mutar. So this is, By the fact that the Mishnah doesn't say, and Rabbi Yossi says it's forbidden, must be he holds it is Mutar. But Rabbah comes along and he says, but the follow, Rabbah says that can't be, because Sorry, one thing. Um, Sorry. So, so, Omar, so Rav Yehuda says that Rabbi Yoisi must be saying it's permitted because it doesn't just conclude and he says it's also. But the Sefer says, and the following is salt water that is mutar. Implies that Rabbi Yoisi says it's also. And when Rabbi Yoisi comes along and says, but it doesn't make a difference whether it's hot or cold, whether it's a lot or a little, the following is how it's permitted. Must be whether it's a lot or a little is forbidden. Yeah, so Rabbi and Rabbi Yochanan said that Rabbi Yossi holds it's forbidden to make salt water on Shabbos, whether you're making a large quantity or a little pond or a little bit. Tanya and Amiach, we have a price which elaborates on this and says the same thing. The Tanakama says you're not allowed to make a lot of salt water that you would pickle vegetables in it and put it in the pickling bowl. But you are allowed to make a little bit of salt water to eat your bread with and to put in your food. What, just because you're making a, um, this, what's the difference, um, because you're making a lot or you're making a little, it should be also or permitted. It says people will come along and say, oh, this when it says you're not allowed to do a malach on Shabbos is only when you're doing a lot, but when you're doing a little, you can. And we've seen through the whole Masechta, it doesn't really matter how much you're doing, as long as you're doing the minimum shear, you're liable. So what is, so he says, so to you, it shouldn't make a difference whether you're doing a lot or a little bit. El alav, eidu ve'elu asurin, it must be to make salt water, whether you're making a lot or a little is osur. Ve'elu hain mei melach amutorin, and the following is the salt water that is permitted. Noisein shemenu melach, oi shemenu mayim, ulvad shelo yitain mayim melach lechatchila. He says you can... What salt water are you allowed to make? You can put the salt with the oil first or the oil into the water first as long as you don't put the salt and water together first. As we mentioned based on Rashi on the Mishnah because that makes it, um, it doesn't allow it to become as strong a solution and therefore you wouldn't use that for pickling and that's why it's mutar. Okay, now we're going to have a teaching Azin Sunon Ve'esrog Siman. We're going to have three prices from um, Rabbi Yehuda Bar Chaviva that all have to do with these topics. So Tani Rabbi Yehuda Bar Chaviva ain't oisin mei melach azin. You're not allowed to make strong salt water. My mei melach azin. What strong salt water that you're not allowed to make? Rabbi Varav Yosef Bar Hamta Omri Tavayu calls she abates at zafu behem. If it's so strong that an egg would float in it, the kama how much? So Omri Abaya treat lisa milcha vet lisa mai when it's two thirds salt water and one third water. Lamai Avdilo, what would you use such strong salt water for? So Amaravua, Lamursa, for fish brine. Right, to make herring, you need a very strong uh, solution of salt water. Tani, Rebbe Yehuda Chaviva, another teaching of Rebbe Yehuda Chaviva. Ain Molchins and Nonu so you're not allowed to salt um, radish or egg for Shabbos. He says, no, you're not allowed to salt radish, but you are allowed to salt egg. The reason why you would not be allowed to salt them is because it's kind of like cooks them. It makes them a bit harder and, and nicer to eat. So it, it fixes them. So I guess it's either metakein fixing or, uh, or similar to cooking. But I think it's both only a isudra bonen. Um, I used to salt. Rab Nachman says, at first I used to salt radish on Shabbos because I said, you're actually ruining it. Because Shmuel says, the sharper the radish, the better. 
But then I heard Ula came and he told us that in Eretz Yisrael they they salt they salt uh, these pulga these radishes by the by the dozen by the pile. I, it's delicious salted. I realize that is improving it, and therefore I don't salt them on Shabbos. But definitely I do allow you to dip in Shabbos. I um, basically Rahu says he would not salt more than one at a time, but he would salt maybe one or two. But he would salt one at a time and eat it. But you wouldn't, he wouldn't dip a whole lot in salt water and eat them. Um, big question. So can you dip, uh, let's say you want uh, something dipped in the salt water. So you dip it in the salt water, put it in your plate, dip it in the salt water, put it on your plate, dip it in the salt water and put it in your plate. Is that all right? You're doing it one at a time, but at the end of the day you have a whole lot of uh, vegetables or a whole lot of egg on your plate that's been in salt water at once. Or do you have to dip it and eat it? Okay, Shulchan, we generally try to go strict, but um, look in Shulchan Aruch. Tony Chaviva. Rabbi Yehuda Bar Chaviva also taught Esrog Tznonu Beitza Il Mole Kliposon Did Hachitzayna Einan Yoitzin Mibnei Ma'ayim La'olam This Esrog Tznon uh, Esrog A radish and an egg If not for the outer layer So by the Esrog it means the 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 peel By a radish it means the thin uh, outer layer Also the peel And by an egg we mean the white of an egg It would never It would block up your intestines Kelsar Avdimi Yom Ami Olam Loi Tova Gavra But now we go on to a new topic. What we're now going to discuss is refuah. We'll sum it at the end, but basically the key point to keep in mind is remember that Chazal came along regarding refuah and they said you're not allowed to do anything that's because of refuah on Shabbos because you might come to grind and ingredients to make the medicine. So that's, you're not allowed to do anything that's for a fool because of shrikal samamanim, because of you might, the zayri you might come to grind the ingredients. However, that's all where you're clearly doing it for a fool. If it's something that could be done for a fool and it's normal for healthy people to do, then you are allowed to do it on Shabbos. One classic example, you've got a bit of a cold, so you're allowed to have chicken soup. You're having chicken soup for a fua? Yeah, since healthy people, normal people also have chicken soup, you're allowed to have chicken soup even though your motivation is because you got a bit of a cold. So that would be the general. So, And Rashi uses the phrase a few times, Mucha milsa avid. Is it clear that you're doing it for a fua? Or la mucha milsa, it's not so clear. So keep those principles in mind. So Kios or Abdimi Yomar, when Abdimi came, he says, No one ever drowned in the waters of storm, what we call the Dead Sea. Because we know people float there. What's he telling us? He's telling us we've got a very, very high salt content. So Amr Rabbi Yosef, Hafucha Sedom, Vahafucha Mila. He says, What he's saying, it doesn't make sense. You're telling me that. People don't drown, but other things do sink, like wood. Obviously, planks which don't sink anywhere, obviously don't sink in the dead sea. But a person who does sink in all other waters, in the waters of Saddam, in the Dead Sea, he would not sink. All am I enough? Kamina, why do we need to know that this? He says, Ki Ravin, have a shock of Ozzy Afraid, the Rebbe. Like this teaching of Ravin that he would take. He would go after Rabbi Yirmiya Guda de Maistom on the they they would walk together on the banks of the Dead Sea and Omale Maula Mimshi Mahani Ma Shabbos can I wash with this water on Shabbos as it's often used to wash as refuah so Omale Shapirdami it's fine because again people people go in the Dead Sea for refuah they use the they wash their face with the Dead Sea water for refuah we're going to see their eyes I don't know exactly we wouldn't we wouldn't dare put it near our eyes. Um, but it seems they used to wash their eyes out with this Dead Sea water as a refuah. Maybe they would dilute it a little or something. Um, but he said, yeah, you definitely can because it looks like you're washing your face and uh, washing your eyes out. And everyone does that. 
says, oh, maula mimet ola miftach. Can you blink your eyes to make sure that you're getting it deep into your eyes properly? He says, omalei zulo shomati kiyotse bo shomati. He says, I didn't hear specifically regarding this case, but I heard a similar case. Rabbi Zaira said the following sometimes in the name of Ramasna and sometimes in the name of Marukva. But Tavayu Mishmei Davush to Shmuel Velevi. And these two teachings we're going to read now were said in the name of Shmuel and Levi. Velevi, I'm reading. Chad Omar, Shmuel or Levi, one of them said, Yayin Besoicha Ayin Osur Al Gabe Ayin Mutar. To put wine on top of the eye is Mutar. Is uh, to put it in the eye, I to blink and make sure that you're getting the wine in your eyes for a refuah is osur, because only people would be careful and do it in that way for refuah, but to pour it on your eye would be mutar. Again there, because you could be doing it just to rinse your eye, not necessarily for refuah. It seems that they used to use wine to, once in a while to rinse themselves. V'chad Omar and the other one told, Roik tofel afilo al gabe ayin osur. Regarding roik tofel, you're not even allowed to put it on the eye. What's roik tofel? Remember, that's the first spit in the morning. It's been sitting there. It has somehow concentrated and it's great for refuah. But no one would ever rinse their face or their eyes with roik tofel. It's a bit gross. It's dirty. But if you need it for a fuah, then you would. So that's what uh, he's saying, that you can never, so on Shabbos, you can never put right toffel on your eyes. But you could put wine on your eyes. You can't put, make sure, you can't like blink and put it with eye drops in your eyes, because then it looks like you're doing it for a fuah. But to rinse your eyes with wine, that would be fine. To start, so now the Gemara says, let's suggest this time, the shmuel. So we have two statements. They're coming for the same idea. The one statement is that you can put wine on top of the eye but not in the eye. And the other one is that you can't put spit even on the eye. Now, let's say it must be who says that you can put wine on the eye but not in the eye. Um... So Yayin Besoch Yayin Besoch Ayin Osur Al Gabe Ayin Mutar Mid Omer Shmuel Shaira Adam Pito Be Yayin Venoisna Al Gabe Ha'Ayin BeShabbos As Shmuel says, you're allowed to dip the, the your bread in the wine and smear it over your eye on Shabbos. Deshmaylei Miman. Who would Shmuel have heard this from? Lav Deshmaylei Mevui. Most likely heard it from his father. Avur Deshmuel. Remember, the one statement was in the name of Avur Deshmuel, and the other was in the name of. Maybe. But we know Shmuel himself says you're not allowed to put Roik Tofel on top of the eyes. Who would he have heard that statement from? If you're going to tell me that he heard it from his father because you're asserting that most teachings that Shmuel said must have heard from his father. Well then what about Levi? Did he not say anything? We mentioned at the start one teaching was by Levi and one teaching was by Shmuel. But now you said the teachings that Shmuel quote must be from his father. So both come. He says no. One was said by his father and one was said by Levi. And I don't know who said which one. Now, further, you can sow Kilurin on Erev Shabbos and put it on top of your eye on Shabbos and you don't have to worry. But Bardivai was once with this Kilurin that had been made on Erev Shabbos and he was blinking his eye to make sure it goes in. That is definitely... Not permitted. Vadilo Shara Marshmu, Marshmu would definitely not permit that. I this kilorin you have to make on Erev Shabbos. Once you have to make it on Erev Shabbos, that's a heker, that's a reminder that you're not allowed to make it on Shabbos. And therefore the person putting it in his eyes would never come to prepare it on Shabbos. So there's no danger of coming to grant herbs, grant the ingredients for the thing, and that's why you're allowed to use this because you make it on Erev Shabbos. However, isn't there a problem that when people see you, they will think you're doing something for a foie? No, so it doesn't look like medicine. It looks like wine or something, and people sometimes rinse their eyes with wine. So you can rinse your eyes with wine, and you can rinse your eyes with that. But to blink and use eye drops and make sure that you're getting it into your eye in a way that people would only do for a foie, that would be awesome. Um... Rabbi Yanai sent Marukva. Can you send us some of this Kilurin that Marshmul makes? Because remember, Marshmul was a doctor, so most likely the eye ointment that he makes is 
excellent, excellent quality. So Shalach lay, so he replied, I'll definitely send it to you. Oh, I should have mentioned that Marukva was a colleague of Shmuel. He was, I think they were both on the base then together, so they worked together. So that's why they were asking Marukva, because he could get hold of it very easily. So he says, so I'll send you some of this. But so that you don't say I'm being stingy, be aware that Shmuel said there's a better solution for your eyes. He says, rather put a drop of um, cold water in the morning and wash your hands and feet, and I guess maybe your face as well, with hot water in the evening. That will be better, than your, better for your eyes and your health than all kilurin in the world. So you think it's good to put these eye drops in your eye, much rather just uh, wash your hands with cold water, I'm assuming put cold water in your eyes and wash your hands and feet with hot water in the evening and put that in cold water, that will keep you much more healthy than all the eye drops in the world. I think might be, I mean one lesson we can take from that, often preventative is better than going after preventative medicine is better than the cure. Rather stay healthy and keep yourself healthy, then do something to stay healthy. Now let's just do this last sugya who are your omen who used to say, Yad la eye and tiktos. If someone's going to put their hand in the eye, they should rather cut it off before putting it in the eye. What does he mean here? So Rashi explains we're speaking about before Natilas Yadam Shakras. We know and we'll see over the page that there's uh, in the morning there's this there's this evil this ruach tuma this eve this ruach ra that rests on your fingers and don't put it in your hand don't touch your eyes yad lechoitem tiktos don't put your hand on if you're going to put it to your rather cut it off before touching your nose yad lepeh tiktos rather cut off your hand before putting it by your mouth yad leoizen tiktos by your ear as well yad lechasuda tiktos also on a wound. Yad la'ama tiktos, a hand on the organ. Many learn this is the whole day. As we've seen elsewhere, you must be very careful not to touch your place so you don't uh, arouse yourself. But um, self there. But it fits in because rather cut it again. Lad tabas tiktos. Rather than touch uh, your anus, cut, it off, cut the handle first. Yad gigis tiktos. Before touching any drink or food here, specifically a beer barrel, but rather cut off the hand before it. Yad masame, yad macharesh, yad malep. A polypus. It can cause blindness, it can cause deafness, and it can cause this polypus. Not sure what that is. So you've got to be very careful before Natilas your diamond of the morning not to touch any openings in your body eyes, nose, mouth, ears, etc. because it causes great damage to them, and in, in, to a degree that the Gemara is saying almost rather cut off your hand before you touch them. How do you get this a demon that you've got to be careful? This Ruach Ra is Bas Khoirin. I don't know if that's its names or it acts like a free person, so it's very it's more powerful than a than another demon that would be more like a slave. And it's Makpid, it's very particular, it's there very strong until you wash your hands three times in the morning. This poch, this this mascara or eyeshadow they they used to use, removes the demon bas melach, it stops up tears, and it increases the growth of eyelashes. And Tanya na mehachi, Rabbi Yoisi oime, poch mavir bas melach, poise kesadima, umar beseo bafafaim. Okay, exactly like Rabbi Yochanan said regarding getting, use this poch to get rid of this demon, and it also increases growth of the eyelashes, and it stops tears. So I guess if you have very watery eyes, that might be good to put on your eyes, this poch. Um, just before we end, a very interesting discussion to be had here. It's, I don't think we'll, we won't exhaust the topic, but Natila said, I'm Shakris, washing your hands in the morning. So we actually know there's, turns out there are three reasons why we do Natila Sidaim. There's the main reason we do Natila Sidaim, that we wash our hands in the morning, is actually a Machloikes, Rashba and Rosh. I think we might have discussed this in the past. But the rush, the rush holds, the reason we wash our hands in the morning is we're getting up and we're going to be davening and saying brochas, and you never know where your hand touched at night. Maybe they touch the part of your body that you're not allowed to daven before you've washed your hands. Because your dinas gone your hand. hands are always busy, busy and therefore we assume they're dirty. And therefore we wash our hands in the morning before we daven. Rashba comes along and he says, no, the reason is because of Bria Chadosha. You're a new creation. And just like the Kohanim, when they would get up in the morning 
when they would go into the base Amigdash in the morning to serve Hashem, they'd wash their hands. So too, we, we're a new creation. Good Musa, we're getting, why we created, why we're getting up in the morning to serve Hashem. So we must sanctify our hands, wash our hands to serve Hashem. Now, for those two reasons, when you we Paskin, that basically regarding the Brocha, you only say the Brocha when you have both of those reasons. Right, so if you slept, so your hands might have touched somewhere dirty, and it's morning, so you're a new creation, then you wash your hands. If you only did one of them, then we wash our hands, but we don't say a bracha. So, for example, if someone slept in the middle of the day, you had an afternoon nap, you don't know where your hands touched, you had a much the same, so you go and you wash your hands when you wake up to fulfill the rosh, but you don't have to wash your hands, um, but you don't say a bracha because according to the rush, but you're not a new creation, you're only a new creation in the morning when you're getting up to serve Hashem. Um, the other way around, what happens if you stayed up the whole night? So, according to the rosh, you wouldn't have to wash your hands. But according to the rush, but you would. Okay, what we therefore we're careful to go to the bathroom, and like when we up the whole night on shvurs, and we want to say al nitilasi time before we daven, we go to the bathroom and we wash our hands because if you've gone to the bathroom, your hands are dirty, so you need to wash your hands before you serve Hashem, and uh, you also uh, before you serve Hashem, and and you it's morning, so you're basically a new creation. Um, one more point. However, this third reason. Of Natilas Yadayim before this Ruach Roth, for this damaging spirit that rests on your fingers, that we never actually say a bracha. Um, and that's what we do. That, and also that requirement, that's why we wash three times on each hand. If you just want to wash your hands to serve Hashem, Maybe you can just wash them. Some say you have to pour a clear over them, or you're washing your hands because you might have touched somewhere dirty, then wash them normally. But for to remove this ruach raw, that's why we vas alternating three times, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, once in each hand alternating. Um, that's for Nathalie But we also we don't say a brocha. So example, when the other times that this ruach raw rests on us, we we would wash our hands three times on each hand, alternating. But we would not say the brocha. For example, when we leave the cemetery, there ruach raw rests on them. When you come with in close in when you attend a, a, a burial or you come close to a grave etc then there's ruach ra on your hands so we wash our hands three times before we leave the cemetery but that's again for the ruach ra but we don't say a bracha because we don't say a bracha over ruach ra interesting enough it's a general rule and a lot to discuss on this point in itself but i just end off with one last point there's a general rule that when we do something for our protection even if it's incorporated as a mitzvah we don't say a bracha on it Another example would be my machronim. Before you eat, you vas your hands and you say a brocha. That's remember srach truma. That's to remind us about the truma. But so that's xerid um, We also wash our hands before we bench. But remember that's to remove the melach stoimis that's on our fingers. So that's for health reasons. So therefore you wouldn't say a brocha. Okay. So that's uh, another another point to go into exactly defining when we say brochas or not. But we'll leave it here for today.